Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 66 of Speaking from the Heart. Today we'll be interviewing Melissa Kellogg. Melissa is a massage therapist and entrepreneur of two amazing boys. She's the owner and the operator of Branches of Life, Health, and Wellness, which provides a variety of massage therapy, facials, lash extensions, and self-care packages to individuals and groups. She began her first brick-and-mortar business, which was downsized due to going through some intense life changes, which we talk about in this episode. And through this journey as being a business owner, she also explains quite a lot about what she has been through personally as a result of all the different types of things that she has worked through in this industry. Her passion to share about love, life, and business all provide a unique perspective in operating in this type of field and environment. And I think for many of us, no matter what we're doing, whether we're getting a massage or we're just getting some sort of pampered treatment, we have to understand that there's different motivations in each of our lives when it comes to that. And understanding, too, that there's different types of skills that we all need to learn. And even with those skill sets that we lack, there's always someone coming up behind us and supporting us no matter what. And I think Melissa's story is something worth listening to as it relates to all of that. But with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Melissa Kellogg. Melissa, thanks for sharing your heart with us today. Hi, Josh. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate you fitting me in honestly leading up to it i was like looking forward to it and telling people about it and then i read a message about confirming and i was like oh no did i confirm it and i kind of panicked and then we talked and i was like oh, okay i'm so good <laughs> <laughs> no we have space we definitely did and i'm glad that we were able to fit you in here before the end of the year so i'm really excited that you took some time to talk today and i'm really looking forward to our conversation and Really, my first question, and I should say that the audience already knows everything about who you are and what you are doing in your life right now, but I'm really curious, what led you into a career of doing massage therapy, facials, <laughs> all that? I have to admit that you have taken the title as one of the first people that are on my show for doing this line of work. So I'm just curious, what motivated you to get started with this? Yeah. And actually, I kind of even say massage therapist turned entrepreneur really through this whole experience. But well, I was a stay at home mom with my first child. And then I had my second child. And when he was two, then I decided to go back to school. We didn't have a lot financially. And I knew that it was going to take me having to go back to work. I had worked prior to that. So my previous work before this was working with, and this is another passion of mine. So I would like, I say old words is autistic children. I now like to use the word neurodivergent, which I can get into that in a little bit. <laughs> That's like my pandemic kind of thing. So worked with those children. Then I decided to stay home with my oldest. And I even had some regret even leaving the child that I worked with to stay home with my son. But I did that for six years as a stay-at-home mom. And then in... Let's see, I think it was like 2012, 13, I went back to school to do massage therapy. I'd already went to Hack and did a bunch of things at Hack prior to that. So I had actually started with my, I love telling the story. It's kind of usually my bio because even in school, I ask you like what got you into massage therapy. So really I started with my grandmother's feet at 10. She was sitting in our couch at our house and my mom was a single mom. So she was there visiting us and 
I wanted to make my grandmother feel good. She was still working and working towards retirement. So I started with her feet and she just was like, oh, Melissa, that's so amazing. I love how you rub my feet. And so seeing how she felt and how it made her feel, I just really loved my grandmother. So then every time she'd come to visit, then I'd be like, put your feet up, grandma. Well, her name was Mimi. So put your feet up, Mimi. I'm going to rub your feet. And so it became kind of a little ritual that we did rubbing her feet. And then my mom would see me do that. And then through my teenage years, I'd rub my mom's back every night. It's funny because my mom will still have my stepdad do that to her feet, rub her feet. Through the time of rubbing my mom's back every night when I was a teenager, I was in middle school. The doctor noticed I had scoliosis. So I had to go through the whole back brace process. They wanted to do surgery on my spine. I refused to do the surgery. So I went to Hershey Medical Center and did the whole back brace. Got made fun of in school for that. My nickname was Turtle because I was Turtle in a Half Shell is what they would call me. You, you don't um, look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle my, uh, yourself. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that was even torture because I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't bend over. So actually... I have like a person who would tie my shoes that most people would think it was more funny to not help me and watch me walk around with my shoes untied. And I'd have to go to the nurse's office at lunchtime to take off my back brace. So we had a lunch club in the nurse's office. (laughs) But anyway, that was my journey with my back. And then I got the back brace off, but I always had issues with my own back. And then I met my husband when I was 20. We are now separating, going through a divorce right now. But when I met him, he had a lot of back issues. And so I ended up spending a lot of time working on his back. He had disc issues. And through working with him, I actually realized I could manipulate a lot more than just like making someone feel good. We would actually shift his vertebrae bed. They would pop out and I'd get them back in and we would do things like that. So I really started doing more medical type work, I think, on him. And then through just working with so many people, everybody loved what I do. I was like, okay, I think I know I need to go to school for. So It's funny, I've learned so much. This process actually shared my dream with many people prior to me going to school. And there were several people around me in my social circle that went and did massage therapy before I even got out of school. And that was kind of my moment of realizing, and I still do it. I love sharing my dreams with people, but then also that kind of hurt when I saw people going to chase a dream that I was trying to do before I even got to do it. But I did it. I completed it. That made me feel really good to get that. I honestly went to college for so many years, but no degree in anything. So that was my first, okay, I have this piece of paper that says I actually accomplished it. So Hack has a 900 hour massage therapy program, which is, I think New York is the only other longest program. So I was proud to go to that particular school to do it. I got out and Actually, this is my story a little bit too. When I graduated in May of 2014, my grandmother passed away within two weeks of me graduating. Um, That was my dad's grandmother. I was also very close with her too. And actually, I was pregnant while she was in the hospital and stuff too, and through her decline. So lost her when I graduated school. And then a month later, my cousin committed suicide. Oh my gosh. So graduating school, actually my first six months, I didn't even focus on that. I was like, dude, I just lost two people in the month after graduating. And this would be a really exciting time. So I didn't work for six months and I was like, I got to get myself up off the floor. I got to start working. So I started at a yoga studio in Chippensburg and I lived in Newville at the time. And I legit got pulled over three times in one month for, so as you know, I was not quite on time today. I try my best. I would be late for work all the time because I was a stay-at-home mom and now had to be on time for working. So I would be flying from Newville to Shippensburg, got pulled over three times for speeding. And I was like, okay, we got to slow down. But at that time, that studio was not for me. I worked there maybe six months and I had to leave. 
And then I got my first corporate job at Elements in Mechanicsburg. And I even joked to the teacher, I'm like, oh, I sold my soul to the devil. (laughs) I'm doing corporate massage because I knew that corporate wasn't what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I needed the experience and the, the pay. Within three months of working there, as I said, I was planning my escape plan, how to get out. I was in tears crying. And in the first three months, I actually found a paper that I added up. I was working Friday, Saturday, Sundays. So going from a stay-at-home mom and then not having to work my entire weekends, I added up the weekends of everyone that worked there had the most amount of hours over the weekend. And I remember I wanted to try and plan a vacation and she gave me a really difficult time about that. And I'm like, I'm part-time and I work all your weekends. Like I can't get a weekend off. Can I ask you a question so, about that? Because yeah. I, with what you said, first off, I want to I want to go back and tell you that I remember my grandmother also rubbing my feet and like doing all the oils and stuff like that. And I know that sounds probably creepy for some of my listeners because maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know if I would really have anybody touch my feet because there's a lot of foot phobia out there and stuff like that. And I get it. But I just remember that being a real connector for me because I knew that she cared and that she really enjoyed a lot of the different things that was really having grandkids for that matter. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit of that bond because I think that's really important, especially being in that field that you have that bond with those clients too, because essentially you're working on them and having that sort of connection with people, you have to have a certain level of trust. And that was something that I want to ask you about is you mentioned about your husband, well, soon to be ex-husband because you're going through a divorce and stuff like that. Was he part of what you ultimately started with the business? And if so, if you're willing to be open about it, can you walk us through what caused that divide in the first place? I think he was on the receiving end of the massages, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, when I graduated school, because we talked about ethics and stuff, but I actually joked with him and it was like serious, joking, not like joking, serious. But I was like, I think I ethically need to not be your massage therapist. And I see how that became an issue too, because it was always expected. And honestly, at the very end, I would deal with tendonitis. Everybody goes through it. I call it like your sort of initiation into it. So when you go into corporate massage, your elbows, your forearms, you get tendonitis, your body hurts. None of us are getting massages as much as people, (laughs) some of our clients are getting. But that was one thing that would happen a lot. I would come home and then, oh, rub me down. I need a massage. My elbows hurt. Can you please? So that was one thing. But I think it was the business building, really, once I started. So that's part of it. So I did corporate massage. I did elements. And then I left there after about 10 months of working there. So like in three months, I was planning my escape. I got my electric table through someone I worked with there. So actually, things just started happening to get me to leave there, start working on my own business. I then went to Hand and Stone and the owner from Elements actually kind of chased me. He told me that there's this whole non-compete thing that really I found people will try to have you sign non-competes, but at the end of the day, like when it comes to law, they don't, they just like, are you for real? So I went to Hand and Stone and had to deal with that. She actually came every week to see if I was there and I had to hide. And it took a while to feel comfortable working there, but then I did. And I worked there for seven years and that job actually led us to get into the house. We lived in a mobile home in Newville. So it took me going to work and then getting the job that I did. And we looked at numbers and it took me and my income through hand in stone so we could get her home. And so we have been in her home for six years. 
But then COVID happened and I just remember coming back from COVID and I think dreaming up the business in my head. I wanted to be out of corporate massage. I was miserable. I hated it. I actually dealt with a really crazy issue at work that was very toxic and I started learning about narcissism and all those words I don't like to throw out. I don't like to use labels, but I was in a position at work where they made me out to be like this bad person, even though I felt like I built their business when I actually went to Hand in Stone when they opened and I came in the week after they opened. And then by the time I left, you had to book three months out to get in with me. So to see what I built and in somebody else's business, I was like, man, if I'm doing this for somebody else, I could be doing this for my own self and it could be for me. When you had that moment of self-empowerment, like what you just said about realizing what that persistence is to create the business that you wanted to have and help other people and not really have it on other people's terms. What was that feeling like? And can you walk us through what those steps were to essentially create branches of life? Because I think for some people, they think that this is this big overwhelming process and that they have to do all by themselves. But really, yeah, it is a lot of different things that you have to do. But there are pieces of it along the way that if you get to the right people that you connect with, they can kind of walk you through that to get started. So can you describe that process for the audience? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because that was something you mentioned earlier I was thinking about was doing it by yourself and alone. And so when, well, I don't want to get, (laughs) and so I'm ADHD too, so also... I could potentially be neurodivergent too. So I try to take notes too. So I stay on track. My brain has already got like five. <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I love, but you know, and this is why I, I, I may repeat. Yeah, no, I love the fact that you are mentioning this because for some people, it's just understanding that we all operate in different ways and how we create some of those opportunities in our lives. And we have to essentially be able to, focus on what the question is at hand. So I don't mind. Let me ask you again. So essentially, tell us the steps that you took to essentially start the business after you realized that passion that you had to help others in that field. Well, and I'll give someone credit to actually a client who kind of wanted to be like a silent partner in the beginning. We actually sat down and had some lunches together where they shared their personal story of their work and experience in life and Honestly, they led me to also the Buddhist monk, Bhante Soma. He's in Carlisle, and I did have him doing some meditation at my office in Camp Hill, and we'll get to that too because it changed. But her and I sat down, and honestly, I didn't even have a name for my business. So I remember sitting down with her, really got me to think about the name of my business, and that's where Branches of Life was born (laughs) because I knew that it took various steps and stages for me to get to where I was at. And I knew that it was going to be an ongoing journey. So that's why it was branches of life. And actually through um, sitting down with someone trying to come up with a, a new logo for my business, that was when we talked about some branches have to be pruned off. Some things will have to die and some things will stay. And so I love the metaphor of the tree and the branches. And that tied in also with the branches and the apple and the tree. And so I just loved how my name really tied into a lot of stuff later on. But I didn't know that at the beginning. They helped me do the steps as far as turning it into an LLC and like all those steps. But when I was at Hand in Stone after pandemic, my sister called me and was like, hey, there's this place for rent. And that's when I got the place there. Honestly, it became like a dream that I never thought would happen. And it just started to take shape from that point on. 
but really it was me massaging at hand in stone massage after massage dreaming in my head I don't want to do this I only make so much money and I know it provided me a home for my family but again when I did the numbers and was like if I could take all that in myself and manage my taxes and all that then I could definitely be even do better yeah and I wanted to say that for somebody that is taking a passion that they maybe have worked on for so many years and even went to school for, and to be able to apply that in a solopreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, that's really important in itself because that's defining essentially what we can do. And I was even telling you even before we started about my own business, being able to have that sort of empowerment for my own clients not in the sense of giving them massages, don't mind me. I'll let you, the expert, do that. But I really think of it as I'm massaging their brain to essentially think about things differently that maybe they have been stuck in those same ways. And it's encouraging to hear, even as I just mentioned earlier about your neurodivergence, that is really something that can be a tool of empowerment. While some people might think, oh, you're buying into one of these fads, Joshua, about reward usage. And it's not necessarily a fad. It's the truth where we started to understand a lot more of those different fields. But I want to get into a little bit about the business itself. So I noticed that you do, and we'll put in the episode notes, the website for it, which I'll let you describe later on here at the end. But I noticed that you do not just massage therapy. So can you walk us through the other services that you provide? And maybe you can give some context as to why you provide that. Mm -hmm. So massage therapy, and actually I was very fortunate when the gear that I was in school, I think they only offered it that year, we got to do Reiki level one. So super blessed and thankful that I got to be attuned to Reiki through school. So I got my level one training and then I liked the teacher and I figured I just wanted to be consistent. When I graduated that following fall, I went and did her Reiki level two. And this particular teacher only teaches Reiki once or twice a year, different levels and stuff. So where there's other people that will just teach you Reiki once a month, they'll have a class to teach people or however often they do it. I really like that she did it slow and really only had so many people go through her training. So I did all three levels to become a Reiki master. And then I just recently in the past year or two went on to do a shamanic Reiki healing master's course again. And my next continuing education I had to do, which has been a huge goal of mine, is Arvigo. It's Arvigo abdominal massage therapy. I was also having some hormonal issues and things, polycystic. So I wanted to kind of figure out some natural ways for that too. And my ex-husband also had digestive issues. So I was like, why don't I go learn this next? So I got to go down to Hilton Head, South Carolina to do the self-care course. And they actually did that on Mother's Day. That was my Mother's Day treat to myself that year. And it was the best experience ever. And I still haven't become a practitioner yet. I think when I did that, that was my first year or two. So it's been like eight, nine years. It's $2,500 and then a week of training. So for me, it was just trying to get that time off from the family to go do that. But that is still my goal list to become a practitioner of Arvigo. But when I went to learn that, it really did help me. I felt so much better after learning it. And I just came back from that weekend transformed and the people that I met. And 
I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love continuing education courses. And I really do research and spend time. I really put a lot of intention to the courses I take. I just don't go to a class because it's cheap and it's local. And I had to this year because of finance. But RVGO really was transforming. And so what I did was with that, I don't advertise it, but I've had some people that had certain issues. And so I did have a client when I was at Element. She had endometriosis and usually you can't get pregnant. I never got credit for it. It's fine. But within three months of working with her, she got pregnant. And so I knew that this work was really, really powerful, but I want to be practitioner of it too. So, so that's a big passion of mine, learning that more, but Reiki, I started to like reflexology. I didn't do a course that we got it through school, but that's just incorporating feet, hands, ears, and then prenatal. Prenatal was a big one. That was the other class that I drove down to North. That was actually a solo trip. My family didn't come with me that time. And that was a transform a weekend too, to go stay in a hotel, do this course, paid for it myself, did it all on my own. And I think that was a moment for me to, this is before the separation of the things I could do if I really tried and worked really hard. I provided that experience for myself. My ex-husband did not pay for that trip. That was all me saving the money. And then my Himalayan salt stone, same thing. While I worked at Hand and Stone for six, seven years, I actually was working at an office down the street at a chiropractic office, building my business while working like almost full-time at Hand and Stones. I had nights where I would literally come home in my clothes and just fall on the bed and go to sleep and wake up the next morning in my clothes. Um, Can I ask you a question about that? Because I think it's really important for people to recognize this too, that not only is it about just the things that you do for the business, but also the things that you do as a mom, as somebody that is not just an owner, but also has to live their own life. Do you find it sometimes hard to have that balance between what work is and what life is? And maybe you associate a little bit with your clients because I'm sure they're coming in for some of those same things and they're trying to get some relief through that. With somebody that has done this for a number of years now, before even opening the business, what would you say is your best advice to somebody coming in that they can take measures so that they aren't so stressed out, that they don't need to have all these invasive therapies to help them? I'm not saying that your work isn't undervalued or anything like that, but there's always trying to get those services out there, but there's also, what are some things we could do to continue to help each other through that process? Can you talk well, a, bit, that a became bit about that? Part of, yeah, that became part of my business actually. So through building the business, as I was just saying to working hours, I was doing for my own office, hand in stone, it became a lot. And so that's why I knew I can't do both. And I ended up having my own health issue too. My blood pressure got really bad. It was by the time I was hospitalized, it was 2.30 over 1.30. Um, wow. And I do feel, yeah, I do feel that I even joked, I see why they call strokes for women the silent killer because I was in denial. I would walk the dog and be out of breath, could barely walk upstairs, but I was like, oh no, it's just this or that, making excuses because I'm a mom and I had to keep going. And, and so it took me being hospitalized to slow down and realize my health was a priority too. And so I had to start managing my blood pressure and figure out ways. I kind of say I almost died and came back. I didn't quite, but I think I was very close to a stroke. Now, once I was hospitalized and then feeling that feeling of being medicated, I was in for four days till I could get it low enough for me to leave. And then I started to figure out lifestyle changes. And that was all kind of part of trying to think. 
my doctor wanted me to also go more plant-based. And so I was like, hmm. And then I researched some smoothies. And so part of my business through this, I developed a smoothie that I make that I want to kind of trademark now that really did help my health. I started losing weight. And then I also joined Beachbody. I'm supposed to be a health coach with that, but I'm just trying to coach myself right now. <laughs> I lost a lot of weight and then I kind of slacked off. So that became really important. My own health, I can't take care of everybody else. And that's what I learned. If my cup is empty, completely empty, I can't give to other people. And that was also part of that journey too. And I just started to learn what does filling my cup look like? And unfortunately, I was with my ex-husband 20 years, married like 16 or 17. And at the end, when I was building the business, he could see me become happy through it. And he also realized that he wasn't making me happy. And then that was really the sort of start of that side of things breaking down. There's more to that story too, like all that, but definitely but that was is. The, yeah. <laughs> but that was my thing too. I was starting to fill my cup up and then he would get kind of jealous or feel some way about it. Instead of supporting me and being happy, the fact that I was filling my cup up and feeling good, it was, what are you doing? And I was like questioning it and not really supporting it. So, but for some people, even though that they're saying that to you, I've heard many people say that to me about, well, what can you really do? You haven't lived a good life either, Josh. Why are you helping others? I've had to say that there's a perspective and that's what this is about. Although my perspective was wrong for so many years, I've recognized that through that feedback too, that some people are right in your situation. Some people are absolutely wrong about their viewpoint because they get so stuck in that. So I think it's really important that you did recognize that and you're doing what is necessary to not only help yourself, which you literally said it, it's about filling your cup. But you're filling other people's cups through that process, too. And I think that's really mm -hmm. important distinction to make here, despite whatever those struggles are, right? I think it is about creating some of those opportunities where we often don't think about those opportunities, too, which I was mentioning earlier about even starting this in the first place. Melissa, we're almost out of time. Before we close it out, because I would love to have you back about even just talking about the <laughs> divorce aspect, because I'm sure that there's a lot of different things we could talk about for that aspect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mental health, too. You brought that yeah. up, and that yeah. was a big part of me. I resonate with that, too. Wrapping this all up into a bow with a present to somebody that's listening to this, mm -hmm. what would you say is the best piece of advice? And you just keep it to a few sentences as to what somebody could learn from your experiences about not only what you've been through, but what you have achieved, what would be the best advice you would give someone? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm still a work in progress, but I think for me, it was just always being positive because I've had those low mental moments of struggling and like, why am I doing this? And when I give that service to other people, I don't receive what people are giving. So it's different as the person who's doing that, but staying positive mentally. And what I found was through that journey was exercising. I'm trying to get back into my routine again, but I found exercise is a really big part of waking up and feeling better every day mentally. It's the foods we put in our body. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, still a work in progress for me too. But I think staying focused, when you have a passion, you stay focused no matter what I mean, my mom even was like, oh, is massage therapy going to be lucrative? And so for her, it was like, oh, can you make it financially? And I was like, but that's not what I'm worried about. I just want to make people feel good. And I think, again, since the name of the podcast is coming from your heart, if it's a passion, it should come from your heart. Because if it doesn't come from your heart and you 
probably won't succeed. I've had numerous guests that have even said too, it's not just about the things that we do in our lives that often add value. It's the things that we put inside our bodies that often mm -hmm. add the value. And you definitely touched on all those things that you're doing. And to admit that you are a work in progress just exemplifies the fact that all of us are, that we're willing to be open to that constructive feedback and know where that's coming from. And just learning how we can do that is really important in itself. Melissa, I want to give you the last few minutes. Tell us a little bit about where Branches of Life is located, where can we access you, where you're located at, and even tell us your website if we have any other questions or things just before we come in to check out what you provide. Let us know a little bit about that as well. But I want to give you the last few moments. Yeah, and a great way to kind of tie it full circle. But something I've started to say to clients to I'm on this journey with you. So I'm no better. I'm here to help other people. And I'm on that journey to help people learn and inspire people to, to be healthier, better people. So the business in Camp Hill. So if you look on my website, that's where I've been doing it all alone, mostly on my own. So I am looking for that help right now. I'm trying to get there. So my website kind of reflects the old business with a business partner I no longer work with. But if you go to the website, it looks as if I'm on Camp Hill. Even my email <laughs> says Camp Hill. But I moved just a few months ago to Harrisburg. So I'm on 2714 Front Street, Harrisburg. And that's at Uvo Aesthetics. So I did have to downsize for a minute. I went from complete business owner to kind of working under someone else's business, but that's okay. And I'm trying to kind of build some of the things that I was doing before. Like we had meditation. I'm trying to get that back again, as well as my other services. So I'm working on kind of redeveloping the business that's been its own transition right now. My phone number is 717-961-9284. So I usually have people just call or text me. Text is always good because if I'm busy, you can leave me a message and I'll get back to you to book an appointment. You can go to my website. It is www.branchesoflifecamphill.com. We're just on at the end prenatal as well. And Emily and Saltstones. I'm working on some other new things that I already add things to my treatment. I was just talking with someone. I'm trying to kind of make it its own little thing. So that's some of my business secrets. That I love sharing, but I'm learning to not share all the secrets right away. <laughs> so I'm working on developing some new techniques that I just use various different things in my session that people really like. I would love to see new people come to my space. I do have availability. I hustle at this point. I joke I have like eight jobs. So I consider it even a second location just to build. Well... I have to say, Melissa, I know that there's a lot of things yet we could talk about, but the thing is, I wanted to really hear the business story because of where you had come from and where you have built it to. And even through that downsizing, you still have a loyal base of people that are following you. And I can tell that from just the interactions that I'm having with you and even the variety of different career changes that you have. But this is just a testimony of a story for my audience listening to this of it doesn't matter where you go, even if you believe in what you provide, that will take you to your ultimate destination, no matter what that is. So with that, Melissa, I'd love to have you back sometime. But for now, thanks for being on Speaking from the Heart. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And thank you for sharing not only what you've been through, but what you continue to do. It was really a treat to hear from you. And from one neurodivergent person to another, I appreciate your brain style. So thank you for that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And I would love to come back. <laughs>
want to thank Melissa again for being part of the show and hearing her story that has been really incredible to go through, especially with running a business, which then essentially when your ex-husband leaves and you have to essentially continue it on, it can be something of quite a struggle. And I think that she definitely talked quite a lot about what those struggles are and being able to understand and develop the person that she is today. But the thing is that she's been able to create some of those successes despite all the different challenges, including having even autistic children or even dealing with the different types of employers that she's had and trying to get to one place to another. But I think that through all the experiences that we go through and what we learn overall, It helps us to get through the different types of motivations and different issues that we often come across in our lives. If I rub your back, you better rub mine. An eye for an eye. If I give you money for this, I better expect something like that in return. Those are certain phrases that we often hear as we go across the story of what we call our lives, that we often hear throughout not only biblical texts, but even some of the things that you might hear on a day-to-day basis. Because we all have those expectations. We all have different demands in terms of which our services, whether they're good services or bad services, or even materials that are good or bad provide, we have to be able to still move forward, no matter what it is that might put us in a bind. If we have to get that order done by 4 o'clock and we only just received it at 7 a.m., you better darn well know that I'm going to prioritize throughout that time to make sure that it's being fulfilled. If I have a client that I'm meeting at 6 o'clock p.m. and I know that I only have a certain number of time to do this other task, am I going to do that task or not? Is it going to be added value if I do that extra task? Those are all different things in which we have to apply our energies, the energy in which we move forward, in which we are happy or sad as a result of the certain outcomes that take place. But I think it's not just about the feeling that we have associated with it, but also the ethic that we apply to it, how hard we're willing to push ourselves, how willing are we to get a result that we really want to receive. The energy believe it or not, might be translated into something in which we work hard to get some of the various opportunities that we want to receive. Do we need to compete with all these different types of other people that have non-compete clauses as a result? And I know for many of us, that struggle, that desperation in which we have to deal with so many different types of obstacles in our own lives to create some of the best versions of ourselves mean that we have to have a world in which we are able to understand and fully function and be able to create those opportunities for others when we have all those different things happening in our lives. I know that sounds really complicated, so let me just break it down in layman's terms. If you work hard, you get what you want most of the time. If you work really hard and you don't get what you want, you might quit. It's a sad truth. It really is a sad truth. And I know that for many of us, especially when we have this wide variety of neurodivergence happening in our lives, we have to try to find ways in which we have engagement, in which we're able to have our inner strengths talk to us, 
and create some of those opportunities that we often seek out to explore, to have understanding, to be able to know that we are contributing to the greater good. And I think that we have to understand that when we harness that gift or that skill that we've been working on, we can help others. We can create not only the things that we want in our business, but also what we want in our personal lives as well. They go hand in hand and don't let anyone else tell you differently because they certainly do. Those are the things that if we change our mindset on and we're able to say that we're able to do that, we're going to be looked at as some of the most incredible influencers, whether it's in the local community or in the bigger community called the world. But it is about developing those skills. It's about developing ourselves and wanting to be able to fill that cup. Oh, yes, the cup. We all have heard this expression, I'm sure, at one point or another. And let me break it down for you. There is the cup half full in which you can be optimistic and be able to know that every time that you're looking at that cup, there's only just a little bit more that you have to fill up to get to the very top. Or that cup is half empty. Looking at it at the negative side, thinking about the fact that that cup is almost gone and we need to do something about it. We have to shift the mindset. And if we're able to think positively through the mental, physical, and consumption purposes that we have in our lives, we're certainly going to be able to break down those barriers. We just literally talked about this in the last interview episode in which we shared that context with our last guest. But here's the thing with Melissa's story that maybe you didn't realize. Melissa has been through something that most people don't go through, not only in the business sense, but maybe overall. Yeah, you hear a lot about it in the news, but the point is, is that that balance needed to be there and it wasn't for her. And whether you want to view it as a good or bad or indifferent sort of position, sometimes we need those people behind us rubbing our back so that no matter what is going on, we know that we can feel supported. But unfortunately, in Melissa's case, that did not happen. Do you know somebody like that that has gone through such a situation in which they are gone? You know, I hear more and more in this world about the importance of having those relationships with people, but yet I see ourselves being so disengaged more than ever before. Divorce is on the rise. Infidelity is on the rise. Having children out of redlock is on the rise. Whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just sharing simple facts with you that I have seen from my own life experiences growing up in South Central Pennsylvania. And perhaps the story is different even in some communities across this world. But the thing is that we have to realize that there's something changing in this world. There's something shifting about having somebody that really helps to support us. It's about being mentored. It's about being coached. And I know that for many of us, we really have a hard time seeing that value. It means being able to take a big step back and tell yourself that you really need that extra help when it counts the most. It's admitting defeat. It's admitting that you have to do something about it, otherwise it's going to be too late if you don't do something about it. It means being able to overcome those non-compete clauses with other people, saying that I'm not going to do anything to harm you, but yet at the same time I need to do something to harm you because my life is at stake. I'm not advocating for violence. As a matter of fact, I condone it. 
I condone the fact that sometimes we even use violence as a solution. But Melissa's story makes me think about the fact that sometimes we need to do things that challenge our status quo. And that's what this is really about. We need to challenge the status quo when it comes to not only creating the content, especially for things like my podcast, but we need to create the content that challenges the beliefs in our lives. We need to challenge the way in which we have the development that we have inside of ourselves and even what we teach to others. Because if we're able to teach an important lesson to others, especially for them to be mentored, to be encouraged, to be considered as thoughtful, to be able to discuss the skills and the content and the strengths, to be able to look at the cup half full, that's going to make a big difference in this world, ladies and gentlemen, and that's really what this is about. It's about thinking positively through all those different aspects. Says, no matter how much you think it is challenging, you can do it. For the longest time of my life, I thought I couldn't do it. I sat here in my very office contemplating whether I wanted to close your speaking voice. And if I would be so bold to say, all entrepreneurs have that thought one way or another. And that's something that stems from not just imposter syndrome, but also from the different things that we go through in our own lives. The very things that are the voices in our head saying that we're going to look at the cup half full. We think that they're talking negatively about us. They are not going to scratch our back. It is going to be a very painful relationship that I'm going to have with that person. Despite all those obstacles, despite all those things, I need you to hear this today, my listeners. Melissa's story is something that is really profound and that she carried forward regardless of the challenges. Because there is a light on the other side or a rainbow, as I've put it in one episode. But there's so much more than just that. There is a future waiting for you that all you have to do is just understand and know that if you look at that cup half full and you apply the energy to will that cup to be completely full, you will overcome any non-compete clause. You will overcome your neurodiversity that is holding you back. We will move forward to not only see ourselves in a bigger light, in a bigger strength, but to help us think positively through all of those things. Because we are worth it. Thanks for listening to episode number 66 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.